Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So last time we were talking about a few of the parables that my man Ezekiel gave to the people of Israel. Now, remember, a parable is simply a figurative story used to elucidate uh, a spiritual or literal truth, right? So we see these used all the time, once again, by the Lord Jesus, right? And Ezekiel continues with this same pattern, the same form of communication here. Now, in the last episode, we, we spoke of how Israel in the parable was compared and presented as an unfaithful spouse, an unfaithful bride, right? And because of their sinfulness and abandonment, particularly the Lord was speaking in this way. They had abandoned the covenant, right? The marriage covenant that had been established between them and the Lord. Now here we continue with this and the Lord is going to use Ezekiel to give a specific parable about two eagles and a branch, right? And a shoot, right? And so this first eagle takes the top of a cedar, right? A shoot and takes it back, takes it back to his own town. Right. It grows up. It becomes a vine. And now the vine bends toward the second eagle. It stretches out its branches toward him so that it could receive water from it and abundance. What does all this mean? Hmm. The text tells us now it's interesting because Ezekiel is going to give the parable. Then he will explain the parable. Now, if we remember a uh, text like Mark chapter four, right, where Jesus uh, gives the parable of the sower, then he explains the parable of the sower. You see kind of the conceptual parallels there. But um, Ezekiel says this, the word of the Lord came to me. Now say to that rebellious house, don't you know what the th these things mean? Right. Tell them. So he's going to explain it. The king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, took its king and officials and brought them back with him to Babylon. He took one of the royal family and made a covenant with him, putting him under oath. Then he took away the leading men of the land so that the kingdom would be humble and not exalt itself, but would keep his covenant in order to endure. However, this king revolted against him by sending his ambassadors to Egypt so that they might give him horses and a large army. Will he flourish? Will the one who does such things escape? Can he break a covenant and still escape? It's so good. In other words, he explains it. He says, no, no, the first eagle represents Babylon, right? Who captured King Jehoiachin, right? The king of Judah took him, some of the other Judeans to Babylon. And instead of submitting to the siege, as Jeremiah was talking about the whole time, instead of submitting to the siege of uh, Babylon that the Lord was using to carry out his judgment, what do they do? They rebel. They rebel and they try to get help from who? Egypt. The second eagle represents Egypt and Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Egypt. And what they sought was religious and political refuge in a time of spiritual crisis, right? In other words, God is saying that you shouldn't have done that, right? That, that, that anything we try to put our ultimate hope in, our ultimate security in, is what we're trying to put our salvation in. And at the end of the day, what um, Judah was trying to do was to be saved by Egypt when they should have been seeking and, uh, to be saved by the Lord. And so the Lord is clear. He's like, no, 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 like they broke this covenant that they actually made with Nebuchadnezzar. They swore an oath to him to be allegiant to him, my rod and instrument of judgment. And so therefore, because they broke that oath and that commitment, they didn't just break a commitment with a commitment with them. They came against me. God is saying there is no salvation outside of me. I am the means by which my people receive help, salvation and rescue. 18 comes and Ezekiel is going to talk about the fact that everybody is responsible for their own sin right so the word of the lord comes to ezekiel and um he has to explain to the people that uh god is not unjust right what's interesting here is that some of the israelites had brought to god a complaint that he was being unjust for charging them for their parents sin 
right? So in other words, what Ezekiel is saying is like, no, no, no. He's like, don't get it twisted. The Lord is just. Each of you will be charged for your own sinfulness, and each person will be repaid according to his own righteousness. We talked about this a little bit um, before, and he sums it up in verse 20. He says, the person who sins is the one who will die. A son won't suffer punishment for the father's iniquity, and a father won't suffer punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous person will be on him, and the wickedness of the wicked person will be on him. He comes back in 21 and says, but if the wicked person turns from all of the sins he has committed, keeps all my statues, and does what is just and right, he will certainly live. He will not die. Ezekiel is clear by what he means by sins. He's clear by what he means by righteousness in this passage. And what he's saying is, no, 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 God doesn't want perfect people, but God just wants repentant people, right? God doesn't want people who have uh, um, the mark of perfection, but he just wants people who are going in the right direction. God is just but yes, he will be, he's merciful. He's merciful to repentant sinners. And so the Lord here is just saying, no, no, like, it's not that y'all fathers were wilding. It's that, it's that y'all are actually wilding while the Lord is bringing his judgment. 19 comes and it's just this lament, right? It's a short chapter, shorter chapter than the others surrounding it. And it's just a lament over the kings uh, leading up to the exile and the sinfulness of God's people. Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah were the last few kings uh, in the nation of Judah. And this chapter is basically pointing out, listen, that the house of David, the line of kings descending from him, fell not because of the behavior and sinfulness of past kings, but because of the recent ones, right? And so God, remember, God had been being so faithful to his people. God had been uh, 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 long-suffering, right, for centuries for his people. And he's like, no, no, like, we can go down the line. <laughs> like, all of these cats was wildin', right? From the least to the greatest, everyone is held accountable, even the kings, right? Nobody in this society is above the law. All stand on equal footing before the God of Israel. And so there is this lamentation right here in this text because of the rebelliousness that is pervasive among Judah. 20, 20 comes. And Ezekiel, essentially, in this final chapter of this bunch, he's going to give a recap, right? A recap of Israel's history, right? And he follows, and it follows this uh, simple structure, right? Yahweh makes a promise. <laughs> he performs a great redemptive act, or he gives a rule or a law, right? The people rebel, Yahweh wants to destroy them, but he relents, right? Four basic movements that have been present since Israel has been a nation. And Ezekiel reminds the people that this isn't a new innovation that they are seeing in their time, but this is deeply rooted once again in their history, right? They've been idolatrous. They've been wild and they've been sinning. God even says in this text, he's like, no, no, like even when they was in Egypt, like before I brought them out in the Exodus, they were worshiping the gods of Egypt and he's like fam like this is it, it is so bad that I had to act for my namesake right so he continues to say like no no, no the reason I relented it, it wasn't nothing good in them they were they were rebelling and he's like for the for my own goodness and glory and to be committed to my own covenant promises I acted I relented right I relented I relented I relented first generation did it then he says I brought him in the wilderness thought some things would be better in the wilderness generation, right? Did it, right? And then, you know, I tore down that generation. I brought up a new generation. I brought them into the land. And then they they started wilding as well. 
And so God is just like, fam, like every single time it was my mercy, right? It was, it was my mercy. And so what I had to do was I, yes, I'm going to exercise my judgment, but at the end of the day, my mercy is going to triumph over judgment, right? For, and, and, and the reason that my mercy triumphs over judgment is because I'm zealous for my glory. So at the end, at the end of this text, even uh, in chapter 20, he provides another, another oracle of restoration. He says this, um, but afterward, you will surely listen to me. This is verse 39 of chapter 20. Uh, and you will no longer defile my holy name with your gifts and idols. For on my holy mountain, Israel's high mountain, the declaration of the Lord God, there, hear this, the entire house of Israel, all of them will serve me in the land. There I will accept them and will require your contributions and choices, gifts, all your holy offerings when I bring you from the peoples and gather you from the countries where you have been scattered i will accept you as a pleasing aroma and i will demonstrate my holiness through you in the sight of the nations the lord says that even though exile is coming um the final exile is coming the final siege is coming uh i will bring you back i'm going to bring you home and it's not because of uh the good in you but it's because of the good in me may we pray and rejoice in and worship this great good God we serve today. Let's pray. God, we ask uh, for your grace uh, to remember that the reason we are saved, the reason we are yours, the reason uh, you've kept us, Lord, is not because of our goodness to you, but because of your goodness to us. I pray that that truth will lead us to worship you as ferociously as we possibly can.